1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at a few verses, and we're kind of getting toward the end of our teaching along the lines of the gifts of the Spirit, but this is something that we must keep alive in our hearts forever, and we must expect these gifts or manifestations of His glory or of His presence, not only in the church, but also in our individual lives. And the greatest things that happen, I believe, can happen outside of these doors. Because we are the church. And when we go forth, we should be going forth in power. Amen? And so in verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Uh, You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now go ahead and read verses 7 and 11 with me if you please. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another discerning of prophecy, excuse me, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Amen. And so there are three gifts that say something. Those would be called the utterance gifts, prophecy, uh, divers kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. There are three gifts that uh, do something. We could say that those are the power gifts, the gift of faith or special faith, the gifts of healings, literally, plural, amen, and then the working of miracles, the working of miracles, and miracles are for today. And then there are three gifts that reveal something. Those are the revelation gifts, and we should all be expecting revelation, the revelation gifts, uh, word of wisdom. Word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the word of wisdom tonight. Now, I like what Howard Carter and his definition of the word of wisdom is. Howard Carter is no longer on this earth. He's in heaven. He was an Englishman that was mightily empowered by the Holy Spirit, both he and his wife. And uh, he has a book called Questions and Answers on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so much of the teaching that I was made available or was made available to Brenda and I as we were kind of growing up spiritually was from Howard Carter and and others. But listen to uh, what he says about the word of wisdom. Let me give you the, the basic definition of the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom would be the supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God. So it's not natural wisdom. Concerning what? Concerning the divine purpose or plan in the mind of God. We could say that it is the unfolding of His plan, His purposes, concerning things, concerning places, 
concerning people, concerning individuals, concerning communities, or even concerning nations. A word of wisdom speaks about the future. Okay? Now, Howard Carter says this, There is nothing greater than the revelation of the mind and purpose of God. Would you agree with that? The word of wisdom transports one to the very council chamber of the Almighty and affords a participation, however small, in the government of the universe. Notice it's a word of wisdom. He's all wise. And as he wills, he will impart unto us a word of wisdom. Amen. Since the Lord God will do nothing but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets, the smallest revelation of his purpose is more important than the greatest deliberations ever made in the counsels of men. And such enlightenment becomes for us wisdom of the first magnitude. I like that. This, therefore, is truly the word of God's wisdom, the first and the greatest of the spiritual gifts, the most marvelous of all the manifestations of the Spirit of God. And then he says, let us covet earnestly the best gifts. And I think another way we could say that, let us remain hungry for the Holy Spirit. Amen? People in the church world in America, and I, and I don't say this to be condescending because I'm coming up in this, but people generally are not as hungry as they should be. And, and, and so the word of the Lord says, covet, earnestly desire. Now, one reason why people don't covet the gifts of the Spirit is because they believe that the gifts of the Spirit were for that time, but now we're in a different time. And instead of needing a word of wisdom, well, we've got natural wisdom. Instead of needing a word of knowledge or gifts of healings, we've got doctors. Are you listening to me? And thank God for doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, a lot of Christians would be dead. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I've had to use them myself. So I've been in that category. But you see, the natural mind has a tendency to drift toward the natural. The Bible says that the natural man, he doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why is that? Because they're foolishness to him. Foolishness to them. But I would remind you tonight, you're not natural. You are supernatural. Created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. He is a spirit being, and you are a spirit created in righteousness and true holiness. So I believe this, that it's natural for us to be hungry. It is natural for you and I, is as natural for you and I to desire the things of God as it is for a fish to swim in water. It's a part of our DNA. And so let us endeavor in days ahead, to not live so much in the arena of our head. But let us get out of our minds and get in down into our heart 
And let the truth that we've received in days past and for some decades past not depart. But let us stay stirred up and prayed up in these days and in these hours. For these are the days of His glory. And these are the days of the powers of the world to come to be in great manifestation. Amen. Stir yourself up. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And, 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 and don't get uh, bothered if God begins to use everyone around you in certain areas and hasn't used you yet in that area. God's got an area for you to be used in. Thank God. Rejoice in the gifts. Rejoice in whatever God is doing. And let us be happy about it. What do you say? So let's look a little bit closer now at uh, the word of wisdom. Now understand these gifts of the Spirit, you know, we, we, we break them down and we define them, we talk about them. But a lot of times the gifts of the Spirit are just flowing. A lot of times we don't even know it. I mean, there's prophecy moving and in that prophecy there's a word of wisdom. There's a word from the Lord coming forth. Thus saith the Holy Ghost. And then there's a word of knowledge. I mean natural for us to flow supernaturally. I remember one man of God, a very dear man of God to us. We still listen to him a lot today, Dad Hagen. He said, you know, the more I prayed in the Spirit, the more supernatural things would happen. Doesn't that stand to reason even in the natural realm? In the Spirit, you're speaking divine secrets. In the Spirit, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. In the Spirit, you're praying about things out there in the future. That when you get there, glory to God, your, your steps just take you there and you'll just begin to flow there. Because it's already prearranged from before the foundation of the earth and you've already prayed it in and prayed it through. Woo! Glory to God! For some things to come unto you, you must pray them through. Amen. So praying in the Spirit, man, it's a privilege. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. Now, so these gifts oftentimes will work together. The word of wisdom can be manifested in an audible voice. You think about Moses. Moses received the law audibly. Uh, the word of wisdom even could come through the vehicle of an angelic visitation. Why not? And why should we be surprised if an angel shows up at our house? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are heirs of salvation? Now, this word of wisdom, a word and insight into the future can even come to you in a vision. And it can come to you in a night vision. Or you could close your eyes and the Lord speak to you and show you something. Amen. See, visions don't always have to come when your eyes are open. Because visions, glory to God, don't come to these eyes. They come to these eyes. Amen. So this, this word of wisdom can come supernaturally through a dream, through prophecy, through tongues, through interpretation of tongues. Examples now of this would be to warn 
or to guide God's people of future judgment or peril. Look at Genesis chapter 6 real quick, if you would. And let's look at verses 13 through 18. God can give you a word and get you ready for something that's coming down the road. So that you would not be affected by it. I know a man that was head of a ministry. The Lord spoke to him and he says, there's a recession coming. And he says, I want you to be ready for it. And he told him when it was going to come. And he says, I want you to lay off or let go of, I don't know how many people it was in his ministry or his organization. He went into the office. You see, when God gives you a word, you've got to obey. It's not easy to do stuff like that. But he walked right into his ministry that day, let the people go that the Lord showed him to let go. And when the recession came, it didn't affect him, didn't impact them whatsoever. He can give you word. He can get you ready for what's coming down the road. Glory to God. So that you don't have to be affected by it. Thank you, Lord. In Genesis chapter, uh, did I say six? All right, let's look at verse 13 through 18. Get the word on this. Well, in verse 12, it says, God looked upon the, the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with all the earth. Is that not a word of wisdom? And then he told him to make thee an ark of gopher wood, Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion, and he gave him specific instructions on what to do. And in verse 18, but with thee, I'm going to establish my covenant. And here's what's going to happen. Though destruction might be all around you, if you'll build the ark and go into the ark, when I say go into the ark... Hallelujah, it'll be well with you. Glory to God. He sees the future. And he got Noah ready for it. Don't you know that they thought Noah was nuts? Don't you know that he was criticized for what he was doing? But Noah just kept moving. And that's what we must do in life. Obedience to the word of wisdom oftentimes and the results of it are conditional. You think about Hezekiah. Hezekiah had a death sentence pronounced upon him, did he not? But Hezekiah, the Bible says, he turned his face to the wall. I mean, he got to a point where he was so saturated with God that he didn't let anything else distract him. And as a result of turning his face to the wall, how many more years were added to his life? Fifteen years. Powerful. There was a man of God that was warned repeatedly about, and he was he was a, a, a major prophet in in the fifties, and just a mightily used of God. I mean, mightily used of God. But he was warned about three areas of his life. It was a word of wisdom. He was warned about how he dealt with money. He was warned with how he dealt with his diet. 
And he was warned how he dealt with other ministers walking in love. And the Lord repeatedly tried to get his attention that if he would not get these things straight, that's a word of wisdom. That's a warning. If he did not get these things straight, his life would be gone. Well, unfortunately, he didn't get it straight. And he passed away at a very early age, and a great ministry was wasted because of disobedience. Well, how about Jonah? Now here's, here's another. See, the word of wisdom oftentimes is conditional. Everyone say conditional. conditional. What city was it that Jonah was to go down and warn? Was it Nineveh? Yeah. Well, God told him, go down to Nineveh and tell them that if they don't repent, it's lights out. Well, Jonah didn't want to go. And Jonah headed the other way. But there was a great fish that was prepared just for Jonah. And in the slime of the belly of the great fish, he began to cry out for mercy. Now, I've never been in the belly of a big fish, but I've been where he's been. Thank God we can cry out to God. And even though we were heading in the wrong direction, we can turn and head in the right direction. That's the mercy of God. And so eventually, you know, uh, uh, Jonah went down there to Nineveh and warned them, and they did repent. Now, the repentance was temporary. That particular generation didn't have the devastation that a future generation did. But the word of wisdom oftentimes can be very, very conditional. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 11. Let's look at, a, at, at one from the New Testament. Acts chapter 11. Acts eleven twenty-eight. 28. Have you ever heard of a guy named Agabus? You know, we don't know people by that name today, but I guess that's common back there. <laughs> well, let's look at verse 27. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Now, you'll notice, though, that the office of the prophet is going to be equipped with these revelation gifts. But they are not limited to a person that stands with a prophetic ministry. They are as the Spirit wills. And so as God desires and as He chooses, He can use whosoever in a word of wisdom. But Agabus evidently was a prophet. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth. Anybody know what a dearth is? I guess it's a famine. Thank God we're redeemed from dearth. Okay, a great famine. Great hunger. Great hunger. So, there should be a great hunger throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren 
which dwelt in Judea. Now, turn in your Bibles over to Acts chapter 21, and let's look at verse 10 and 11. So we see Agabus, a prophet of God. There was a word of wisdom about a famine coming. Acts chapter 21, verse 10 and 11. And Paul was sent by God to go to Jerusalem, was he not? I mean, without a doubt, he had a divine uh, uh, connection in the divine plan of God to go to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 and 11... It says, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain what? A certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle. And he bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now this is not Agabus talking. This is the Holy Ghost talking. This is the Holy Ghost talking. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So was Paul given a word of wisdom? Understand this. This was something that was going to happen in the future. This is not something that Agabus had for dinner. He was speaking by the Spirit. Amen. But notice what Paul's reaction to it was. Paul was not afraid. The Apostle Paul said, you know what? He said, I would gladly for your sake spend and be spent. Paul's life was no longer his own. But he was warned that there were tough times coming. You know, sometimes God will give you a word of wisdom just to get you prepared. And notice what Paul said. Then Paul answered and said, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only but also to die at Jerusalem in the name of the Lord Jesus. I like that kind of commitment. I like that kind of faith. He says, yeah, I know tough times are coming, but I'll tell you what. I've learned to endure hardness because I'm a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And though perils and all of these things come against me, I've discovered that the grace of of Almighty God is sufficient for me. And you know what? His grace is sufficient for you too. Whatever you face in life, face it with the goodness and the grace of God as your focus. Amen. And then turn over to Acts chapter 27. Here's a word of wisdom. Acts chapter 27. Verse 23 and verse 24. You know, they were out there on the sea. And Paul tried to get these people that were going to be taking him. Was he heading to Rome? Heading to Rome, I believe. He tried to 
talked him into not going. Because he said, you know what, I have a perception on the inside of me that this trip and this voyage is going to be with much trouble. He actually used the word, I perceive. Now, your perceiver is your spirit. You perceive with your spirit. Your spirit knows things, glory to God, by the Holy Spirit. That's getting into just commonly, ordinarily being led by the Holy Spirit. It's a witness of the Spirit. Or it's a knowing down in the inside. Something's not right here. Anybody ever had that? Let me ask you this. Anybody never not had that? We need to pay attention to the signals that we're getting from Him on the inside. And that's why we need to learn to live more out of our heart and pray more in the Spirit. Because that's where all the activity takes place. On the inside of man. So Paul said, you know what? I'm perceiving something's not right here. Now, he was not in control of when that ship took off or if it was to take off, was he? Because Paul was being sent to Rome. And he was on that ship, not as a leader. He was on that ship as a passenger, i.e. even a prisoner. Right? And here's what the scripture says. But when the soft, the south wind blew softly. In other words, it was a very beautiful day. Imagine one of the most beautiful days in the Bay Area. We've got some beautiful days. We talked to a pastor from Kalamazoo, Michigan today. And she said, what's the temperature there? That's code for it's snowing here. It's cold here. But oh, the beauty of the weather on that day must have just been calling them. It's a great day to take off. See, the south wind blew softly. And Satan sometimes will make circumstances look really good. Even though there is a knowing in our hearts. Wait, don't do that. There's a red light in the spirit. No, don't take off now. Don't, don't do that now. Don't invest in that now. Are you listening to me? But the enemy will make things look really good. And that's what happened there. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says there arose a big, huge storm. And the name of it was Eurekladon. May not be pronouncing it right, but it doesn't sound good. You reckladon will make you a wreck <laughs> and cause your ship to be wrecked. Anybody ever faced a Eurekladon? Yes. I mean, a mega storm. And all of a sudden, everyone's in trouble. And they're having to throw this over and throw that over to lighten the ship. And I mean, it is, it's on. It's a bad deal. But Paul is a man of God. Paul's a covenant man. And even though that storm that he was involved in wasn't his fault, it was their fault, God was still there. Oh, come on, somebody. You may be going through a storm that is not anything to do with you, but other people got you in it. 
You can call upon the name of the Lord. Come on. I said you can call upon the name of the Lord. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be some damage. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be some difficult times and, and some things that don't go good. But it's for you. You're going to make it. Now here's what happened. God sent an angel. Whoop! And you know what? Paul saw that angel. So all of a sudden there's discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is not the gift of discernment where we find faults in one another. <laughs> People that say that they have the gift of discernment, if they just turn that on themselves. Anyway, that's another sermon. So there's, there's the discerning of spirits. See, discerning of spirits is not just discerning demons. It's also... Discerning the risen Christ. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he said, I saw the heaven opened. And he saw some things. Amen. Discerning the risen Christ. Discerning angels. Discerning demonic forces. Paul that day saw an angel. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Bible says in verse 21, he says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and you should have not loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. But now, cheer up. Now I exhort you, be a good cheer. Because here's what's going to happen. No one is going to lose their life. No one. There's not going to be any loss, but the ship is going to be lost. And verse 23 says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Oh, thank you, Lord. And here's what he said. God delivered a word of wisdom through this angel. He said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you must... Be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all that shall with thee. Read verse 25 with me and get ready to be happy a little bit. <laughs> Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And so let us expect God to speak to us. Let us learn then to be led by the Holy Spirit and to follow the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let us do our part. Let us, you see, when the things of God, there's a manward side and there's a Godward side. Let's do our part. And when we've done all that we can do, Let's expect Him. Let's expect Him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Amen? Let me introduce uh, real quickly, and we won't talk much longer tonight, but let me introduce the discerning of spirits. Everyone say discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Howard Carter says this.
if one was informed about a spirit, but had no vision of the spirit, he would not discern it. By the discerning of a spirit, we see. Everyone say, we see. Now, discerning has to do with seeing, right? Discerning has to do with distinguishing. He says, by the discerning of a spirit, we see beyond the sphere for which we have been created since we are a natural being. He said, the discerning of spirits is only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit and we perceive things and beings that live in that spirit world. In other words, Carter says, we're allowed to look beyond the sphere that we were created for. To see beyond. Dan Hagen says, the discerning of spirits gives us super in, uh, supernatural insight into the realm of spirits. It is seen into the spirit world, and it can also reveal the kind of spirit behind a supernatural manifestation. That's the distinguishing part, the seeing and knowing the kind of spirit. Now, Brenda and I have been around in ministry for over 30 years, and Brenda has been a spirit-filled Christian since she was just a little girl. She grew up in the Assemblies of God. I grew up Catholic, and uh, I was a heathen. You know my testimony. Not proud of it, but I'm thankful for the grace of God. And I got saved in 1975 and then filled with the Spirit two weeks later. And I was born again and filled with the Spirit in a fire. And we've been doing our best to burn for the Lord ever since. We're not burning on, we're, we're not burning out, we're burning on. But way back there in the, in the 70s, we saw some really strange things. And if you were around, maybe you saw some strange things. And it's not a put down. It's just an observation. There was so much emphasis on dealing with demons that it got out of balance. Now, believe me and believe this. The authority of the believer is an awesome truth. Amen. You've got authority over devils, Amen. over demon spirits. They are under our feet. But I can remember going, I'm not really proud of this, but I was a baby Christian. I can remember going to a certain type of meeting with a certain group of people. And this one individual supposedly had discerning of spirits, and he may have had them at one time, but maybe tried to do it when it wasn't an operation. And I'm telling you what, they were casting devils out of me all night long. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, truthfully. And I was a young Christian, you know. I, I'd only been out of the world just a few months, you know. And I, I wanted everything the Lord had for me. But man, I was in that chair and it was, whoo! It was getting sweaty and, you know, it was hot, man. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not proud of this. But such fear got into me that, oh, I got demons. And I lived by myself and I wouldn't go home that night. <laughs> I'm 20, 25 years old. 
I don't think I've ever told this before. <laughs> but I was, I was, I was, my mind was blown. My mind was blown before I came to Christ. Now it was blown. I'm thinking I've got all these demons, you know. And, you know, maybe I had a couple, but not as many as they were. <laughs> oh, my word. So I had a friend. This is in Wilmer, Minnesota. This is about 100 miles west of the Twin Cities. I grew up in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, Minneapolis side. And I went into treatment into a small community, Wilmer, Minnesota, about 100 miles away. And once I got off the drugs and got saved and filled with the Spirit, I stayed in that community. Because I wasn't ready to go back to the big city. I wasn't ready to be around my friends and, you know, all that whole scene. But I lived by myself. But that night, I said, Kevin, can I stay at your place? (laughs) And, you know, it was just, it was just really really weird and then thank God thank God brother Caseman came out of Ramah and started talking to me about the righteousness of God and faith filled words and the authority of the believer and the devil's under your feet you've got nothing to be afraid of I said yeah I think I'll go home now (laughs) But we were a pastor in a church now. This was after, you know, that, that I'd gotten the victory. Thank God. But we were a pastor in a church. And, and back in those days, churches would start like popcorn. Just all over the place. And, and uh, the, the uh, integrity of the word was being held up. And, and churches were starting in holiday inns and in banquet halls and and, 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 you know, we, we pastored churches and armories and, and just, you know, all over. And it was wild, man. We loved it. We'd get up on Sunday morning and seriously, we, Brenda and I would head one way, meet Sunday afternoon for a big meeting at the Holiday Inn in Wilmer, and then head out Sunday night to something else. We'd be going all over the place. Bible studies running out the ears. It was awesome. Just a hunger. But we pastored a little church down in Montevideo. And Montevideo was maybe about 50 miles from Wilmer. And it was a smaller town than Wilmer. And I had no idea what was going on in the basement. We were preaching the word upstairs. And understand, I didn't live in the town. We just go, went there to give them the word, to hold the church together long enough till a pastor could come. And then we'd, you know, tag, you're it, and go. But they'd have Sunday school down in the basement. Before we got there. there For the service. And they were down there casting devils out of doorknobs. I mean, it was extreme, extreme stuff. And there, my goodness, we missed one Sunday and there was a big fight out in the yard. Mike Bang confronted this guy about demons (laughs) and it just turned into a shouting match I'm telling you I felt like brother Hagin did when he said well let the deacons fight it out in the front yard he said when they all get done I'll get them prayed through (laughs) 
So there was an emphasis. And, I, and one time in Minneapolis, why am I telling these things? Discerning a spirit. See, the extreme was, we've got authority. Now, are you sure you don't have a demon? I think you do. You know, it's like the lady that had a demon of gluttony. And she got that spirit cast out of her. She says, thank God, since I got that spirit of gluttony cast out of me, I've gained 58 pounds. Now you can go ahead and eat anything you want. That's ignorance before daylight. But one time, now this really happened. I'm not proud of this. I had to learn some things the hard way. So we're, we're in our living room. And by that time, we're pastoring a church in Minneapolis. I'm stronger now. I can go back to the city. And we're pastoring a good church. And so this fellow came over to the house to visit us. And he was one of those demon chasers. But a nice guy. A real nice guy. And Janeki was at the house that night. And she had kind of a thing going. <laughs> and it was a physical deal. So he was trying to cast the devil out of her. And he says, get me a pan. Because the deal was, is you had to vomit these devils up. And we said, no, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. Oh, no pan. No. And so... That's kind of what was happening a little bit back in the 70s. How many of you experienced any of that stuff? Okay, well, several of you. Thank God. Thank God for the authority of the believer and for the Word of God. And so when you get into the arena of discerning of spirits, it's not the gift of discernment. It's not imagination. And I'll tell you what else. We cannot ever cast the flesh out. Are you all there? What a lot of people want to do is they want to get quick fix. You know, when in reality, Bible says you do something with your body. You present it to God as a living sacrifice. We'll cast the spirit of adultery out of me. I don't think there is such an animal. It's a matter of a person yielding themselves to God and living right and doing the right things and keeping the flesh under control. Amen? Let's all stand up. I've preached too long already. Let's just lift up our hands and say, Thank you, Lord. Pastor Mark's been delivered. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. For the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's pray about it right now. Pray for the gifts to be in manifestation. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the greater one who indwells us. Say it with me. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil's under my feet. God's not given me a spirit of fear. But a power. And a love. And of a sound mind. So next Wednesday we're going to talk about the discerning of spirits. What it is. Look some examples in the word of God. And then we'll be done with our series. But every head bow and every eye close. If you're here.